discuss and I'm pleased to say joining us now US ambassador to Japan Rahm Emanuel ambassador fantastic to have you with us good morning Japan is back yes that was your message yeah I think I mean the entire message is it's back not only in the defense side it's back as you said in the diplomacy side active in the region with Korea with the Philippines with all the ASEAN countries it just this weekend and then over the last five weeks uh, it landed on the moon launch rocket three yeah. its space uh, efforts are back in the economy the fundamentals you have capital inflow here we're in china there's capital outflow china has deflation actually japan now starts to have a healthy level of uh, inflation now it has to work on fundamentals like the uh, wages and incomes etc mm. but yes i think the fundamentals here are for a renaissance in japan we'll come back to the contrast that you play between uh, Japan and China because that's something I think that you're um, pretty known for let's say that in the region I am, a middle, child. I, I, China. I am a middle child after all yeah. <laughs> yeah. you know how to fight and yeah. defend yourself yeah. speaking of that um, obviously it is a, a mind shift it's a government shift it's yeah. a sentiment shift and it's not just about providing more support for Ukraine and, and taking their place I think to a greater extent on the world stage it's also about regional tensions you've mentioned China North Korea the South China Sea is I think a great example too does raising defense spending to 2% of GDP mean that the Japanese people the Japanese government is more willing to go to war should it prove necessary? I no, I actually think it's a healthy dose, and I think this is a whole definition of what deterrence looks like. Right. Increasing the budget to become the third largest defense budget is part of deterrence. Working with uh, Korea, given all the history with the United States in a unique trilateral, is what China never wanted to see and we wanted to see. That is deterrence. Having an economy that has a renaissance, that is deterrence. Being the status of landing on the moon has a deterrence. There is no country in the region that China's not in some kind of conflict with. Mm. And Japan just hosted the 50-year ASEAN conference, has an agreement with the numerous countries in that group, and Japan stands as a country, its brand, most popular in the region. That also has a deterrence. And people want to see a counterweight to an uncontrolled uh, China that is constantly both economically coercive militarily coercive and strategically coercive in the region. They'll never win China the Good Neighbor Policy Award. And yet they trade more and more with China and partly that's a problem from the United States. They had the opportunity to join the Trans-Pacific Partnership which would have provided a greater counterweight to China's economic yeah. influence in the region and leverage in the region and, and missed out. Well listen, I think, I think in that sense they do trade but I think everybody's alert to the fact that this is not actually free trade, it's mercantilist trade. And the, the China does have a big market. They, have, they bring a lot to the table, but they also bring, if you want to do there, you have to, have, uh, you have to warn yourself for, and protect yourself from intellectual property theft. You have to protect yourself from actually economic espionage. I mean, take a classic example in the semiconductor space. There's a big company, in Dutch company, TSMC, uh, rather AMSL. Yes. There's two other companies here in Japan, Canon as well as uh, Tokyo Electron. They don't create economic espionage. They compete. They don't steal intellectual property. China has now been found to actually have a spy inside AMSL stealing uh, intellectual property. That, to me, is a fundamental difference that you either are going to play by a set of rules that everybody can compete, or we're going to understand that you're going to cheat your way to the top. And that's just not acceptable. China listens when, when you criticize, and sometimes they fight back. I read well, that's a, better I, I read than my a... family. <laughs> Slightly different, perhaps. Global Times, I think, called you. Never been to the dinner table. Was that an invitation? No. No, you don't want to. The Global Times called you, I think, the anti-China ambassador 
for the United States I in Japan. Look, I don't. Do you see that as a badge of honor? No, I don't. What the, what it, what I see it is. diplomacy be handled better with China by the United States? Well, here's what I'm doing. I'm just calling out the truth. Okay. I mean, I'll give you an example. I mean, uh, one kind of classic. I got attacked when I said that the Chinese defense minister went missing. Well, China accused the United States Armed Forces of creating the fires in Hawaii. Not true. China accused the United States Armed Forces of creating COVID. Not true. China's ambassador said that neither Lithuania, Latvia, or Estonia were real countries. Not true. I said the defense minister went missing. True. Now, sometimes the truth hurts. China and just could also but, say, but wait, but wait go a second. Let's take, go back to the uh, AMSL example. Mm -hmm. There is a classic case of China, sorry about that, stealing an economic espionage trade secrets from another company. That is not how you compete. You have a World Trade Organization, you have an actual set of rules, and this is a classic example now where the world is waking up and gets back to the Japan example. Japan is a country of rule of law. That is a rule of one. Cheating is a norm, and that's not accepted, and I call it out. And that is an important, I think, message for investors. But China could also say to the United States, sort your own problems out. And there are many of them sure, before you start looking at us. Can I ask you about the presidential election? No, I want to finish this point. No, let's talk about the presidential <laughs> no, I election. Think I want to close on this one Go point. On. We have a lot of challenges, and we have to address them head on. We don't address them, though, by cheating our way to the top. And all I'm doing is calling out cheating, intellectual property, economic espionage. And it sometimes stings when the truth comes to you, come face to face with that. What happens to that relationship and Japan should Donald Trump win the election this year? Well, how does how does it change the relationship? Lot, first of all, there's a lot of uh, time between now and then before you go early. to the hypothetical. Yeah, uh, but I you think, have to prepare. As a nation, well, you have to be prepared. I think one of the uh, and I I have to be careful, and uh, because I'm not supposed to be quote unquote political, but I do think one of the things that I think is very very important. Take what happened uh, in August at Camp David, where Japan and Korea and the mm. United States, the trilateral partnership. Now, when you have trust, which Japan and Korea do have in the United States, your allies are going to go not just the minimal, they're going to go just a little farther and reach a historic agreement that totally is a big, giant chess move on the strategic play here in the Indo-Pacific. If you don't have that trust, Japan and Korea won't do what they just did. Now, that is China's worst day. That was America's best day in the sense of allies, diplomacy, working together, having a strategic vision, investing in your people. And to me, that's what's at stake in the sense of our allies are our ace. When we work together, when we trust each other, we are a force multiplier on the diplomatic front, the deterrence front, the defense front, and the development front. And that is, has consequence. We don't want to do this alone. We want allies to be part of it. And, and Japan and Korea, India, Australia, Philippines, Singapore are part of a strategy that understands a rules, a system where the law applies equally to all is valuable. Part of being a strength internationally as well is about being a powerful economy too. And I'm so excited to be here in Tokyo, but I did arrive here with data that shows that the country's in technical recession. I've mentioned earlier on the show that we've got the stock market approaching record highs and there is a dichotomy there and I've certainly yeah. heard voices that um, here urge some degree of caution about the economic outlook and the ability for, for the Bank of Japan to, to raise interest rates. What's your view from the bridge? Because I think the stock market, which isn't literally the from this bridge and jumping over. No, we're going to be very careful here, quite frankly. But what is your view of the of the Japanese economy? Because there are people that look at the stock market and then they look at the the data and say there is a disconnect. Well, there's what some. The, the question is, are the fundamentals right? Right. 
and you have a series of companies uh, in Japan who are global you know, trendsetters in their space. There are 18 companies, just take the semiconductor space, in Japan that can, are 40 to 70% of the world space in that sector, in materials and packaging. They are an essential player. Sony, Uniqlo, uh, fast retailing, you know, Hitachi, you go down the list uh, of Beam Suntory that are major, major players technologically, engineering-wise, Mitsubishi Heavy Industry, Kawasaki. So without going through the whole list, now you have fundamentals, you have a recession, but do you have the core pieces? And I think when you do this contrast, China right now, just take China versus... No, don't gonna, talk about China. We've okay. talked about China. Okay. Talk about Japan. What We've got the about a minute. Okay, the Tell fundamentals, me what really unleashes that, because those companies have been there have, a long time. You have a, well, and they're growing. Okay. And they're playing a more dominant role. You have capital inflow. That is a major, major... You have the stock market, yes, at record high. You have capital inflow. You have companies that are winning greater, greater market share. They're innovating constantly. Mm -hmm. And actually, by opening up, they're becoming more and more competitive. The key part for Japan, and this is a trouble different from the United States. We're trying to figure out on the issue of immigration, yeah. how to restrict. They have a challenge, which is how to actually open up, given the history. That will be a fundamental uh, game changer. But you work on it. That's what public policy is about. You're a Japanophile. Mm, I think I, I, think I uh, hit the uh, home run coming here. Yeah. I've fallen. I've came, I saw, and I fell in love. <laughs> and that's the end. Yeah. Ambassador, great to chat oh, to you. Oh, we've got 10 seconds Thank left. You, what else do you want to talk about? <laughs> Come back and join us soon. Thank you. Thank you, Ambassador Rahm Emanuel there. Okay, we're going to take a break.